Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. Hello, listeners. This is Brian. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. We said we'd be back to do Marvel Phase 2, and here we are. Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 1 wrapped up with The Avengers, arguably one of the most popular and entertaining movies of the last decade or two. And it set up Phase 2, which, in my opinion, is the cream of the crop. These are some of the best movies that have come out in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and we get to talk about them today. And tonight, I get to go see Thor Ragnarok, so I'm super pumped about that. Anyway, I know I'm the one who, like, enjoys the corporate, manufactured, cookie-cutter, assembly line movies more than the other two guys, so we'll see what Chris and Eric have to say about it. If you want to reach out to us, hit us up on Twitter, at MagHuge. Hit us up on Gmail, MagnificentlyHuge, at gmail.com, or please follow us on Facebook, And share the podcast with your friends. We could always use the exposure. All right. It's hero time. It's clobberin' time. No, it's not, because this is MCU. But here we go with Marvel Phase 2. Podcasters assemble! Oh, that never gets old. Hey, (laughs) everybody. It's already old. It's older than you'd think, because I finally had the misfortune of blowing up about 15 minutes of the podcast, and so we're actually re-recording the first little bit of this one. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast. I'm Brian. I'm Chris. I'm Eric. And we're recreating the magic of the last 15 minutes right now. I had a blue screen of death. At least, mercifully, it happened early. I'm so glad we didn't like get into tightrope walking, and every week we had to wonder whether or not we were going to fall to our deaths. <laughs> it's like we're constantly practicing. <laughs> so this week we're going to be doing uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase Two in anticipation of Thor Ragnarok, rock, which rock, rock, comes rock. out this Friday. Uh, by the time this is released, hopefully uh, I will have already seen it. Because you Ragnarok and you Ragnarol with just so much soul. You could Ragnarok till you're 101 years old. And I might add, as I did earlier and no one heard, uh, the best reviewed Marvel movie ever. According to the marketing. Per the marketing, which I always enjoy. Yeah, they don't lie. So. <laughs> no, they don't lie. No, no. They don't lie at all. Though I would be curious to hear them say, like, it's it's better than the worst reviewed one, you know? Like, like I want to hear them say Hulk yeah. was a piece of shit or yeah. Ant-Man. It's better than the first Thor. <laughs> <laughs> so, Eric, are you at all concerned about a great trailer equaling shitty movie here? No, I'm pretty sure it's going to suck. I, I, no, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm a big fan of the Thor movies because they're all kind of weird. I mean, the first one that was yes. in keeping with phase one. Everybody, let, let's not fuck around too much. We've got a whole franchise to make. But that second one was so weird. I'm like, and I, we're going to get to that one. That's part of this, this show. Yeah. And then this third one looks like a complete departure from that. It's like, I don't know. I feel like it's so goofy. They're taking great creative licenses, and so I look forward to it. Yeah. It, it To me, this third one looks like they've learned all of the lessons up to this point about what's going to make a, a great Marvel movie, and I'm I'm stoked. And it's about as close as we're going to get to like a full-bore Hulk movie, too. That's true. It's Planet Hulk, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like every... Well, we can get into this once we get into the episode proper, but it seems like every everything kind of leads up to big Hulk moments now. Like they give him, they give Yay. him some beefy moments. <laughs> well, let's get to the point where we can talk about Marvel. Uh, first, we do a segment called "The Fresh Shit." This shit is fresh. Oh shit, it's fresh. This stuff is really fresh. And this is our segment where uh, we talk about the stuff we've been up to this week. So, Eric, yes, tell us your fresh shit. Uh, I read for the first time. I completed uh, the book "Silence of the Lambs," which I think Silence. I picked up and started a couple times. Of the lambs. Of the lambs. The lambies. <laughs> um, Can you hear the lambs, colors? You still wake up sometimes, don't you? <laughs> wake up in the dark and hear the screaming of the lambs. I love that movie so goddamn much. I don't think I think it's probably why I never bothered to read it. 
Uh, but I, you know, it's Halloween and I kept thinking about every year or so I'm Hannibal Lecter in some office party. So I, I, I was like, I want to read it again. Yes. But what do you do at Halloween? Oh, I eat people. Definitely. Oh. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's no question there. But, yeah. uh, and he doesn't even like fava beans, but once a year. I ate his liver with some fava beans and a nice Chianti. And that's a made up line for the movie. That was not in the book. Really? Uh, yeah. My, f- but my favorite is still. It puts the lotion on its skin. I love that scene. It rubs the lotion on its skin or else it gets the hose again. It's so awful yet so funny at the same time. No, my my favorite line in the whole thing is... I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye. So, uh, we were originally going to record yesterday, but we didn't because, Eric, you had something else going on. Yeah, I bought a car. Uh, I bought an EV. I'm protecting the environment, yo. Um, yo. So, yeah, yo. A, a smart car EV. And it's a little putt-putt that's, I don't know, it's a cute car, and it makes no noise. That's what weirds me out about battery cars is you don't hear anything. I'm like, yeah. it's, it's like that. Oh, what, no, what's weirder about them is you don't feel it. So I have I have an EV, and you know normally in a car you can kind of tell how fast you're going because you felt the gears shifting and you can kind of feel the revs. Dude, thirty miles an hour, seventy miles an hour from the driver's perspective, it feels exactly the same. You really <laughs> got to watch your speedometer when you're driving an EV. And when you come to a complete stop, it's dead quiet. And when you start up, you can hear like the battery going ah, like there's an angel in the floorboards <laughs> and when we drive along in it i swear i feel like uh, it's the um the ride in the buckyball at disney world in the future you'll drive a mini that runs on an electricity and <laughs> <laughs> we've looked at those like the kind that you got eric the little tiny ones but this being texas Pretty much every second person drives a giant F-250, and so you would be pretty much uh, pancaked at any given time on the freeway if you actually use one regularly, and so it's just not feasible. It's like it's, it would be terrifying for, like, honestly, it would just be the worst n- white knuckle ride ever, every day. Oh, oh, I get it. Like, the, the car we had before, we have a Sonic right now is, like, the main driver, and before that, we had a Chevy Spark, like, the little toy Chevy. Oh, God. Yeah, that yeah. that car is terrifying. Yeah, a Chevy Spark that was pink, and so driving <laughs> that in Arizona, I had all sorts of people going like like being dicks, you know, pulling me <laughs> over and making faces. I'm like, yeah, fuck you. Yeah, I'm gay and I'm driving a pink car. Fuck off. <laughs> Here's the great thing though, like the the little EVs because they've got so much torque. So my wife drives a Ford Focus EV. And she's out here in Phoenix, and so she gets those guys that are trying to, you know, swing their dicks around. And she can shut them down in that thing if she wants to, because it just accelerates like a motherfucker. Mm. <laughs> so she she likes to fuck with truck drivers out here. Zoom, zoom. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks, hippies, for driving your electric cars, making us all look bad. Appreciate it. You're welcome. <laughs> so what, what mared frosh hath ye, Chris? Uh, let's see. I bought furniture, so I did, I was adulting this week, and we got rid of, like, a really shitty couch that had been thrashed by cats. Literally, it looked like dorm room furniture at this stage. We'd had it for about 10 years or so, and it was just, like, awful. Like, hand-me-down shit that, like, a kid would find on the side of the road. It was just awful. What'd you do with the old one? Uh, we just basically threw it away. We had, had the truck haul it off. Oh. Take it from my sight. I was going to say, you should like, like, okay, get in the shower and like cover yourself in like red, <laughs> right? And then lay on it like a body and then leave it out on the curb. <laughs> exactly. And with, with like the word free, you know, and make, make that my Halloween costume. Scrawled in blood. Yeah. yeah free. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So we, we, we did that and, and it's nice now and it's comfortable. And so it allowed me all this time to, Watch Stranger Things two, finally, and I binged it in like a like a within a within a twenty four hour period. I binged it, and I never never do that, but for some reason this one just sort of uh, allowed me to fall into its grip, and so I uh, I did, and it was good. I liked it a lot. 
I was gonna do Stranger Things 2 for my fresh shit, but I've only watched the first episode of this new season because uh, we didn't start watching until like 11 p.m. and we were really tired. Gets better. And it didn't hook us the way uh, the first episodes in season one did. Like in season one, you were just like, oh, I gotta watch one more. Oh, I gotta yeah. watch one more. Uh, this one was like, hey, have you not watched season one? Well, fuck you, because <laughs> you're lost. <laughs> yeah, and they take their sweet time, which is what, one thing I really enjoyed. It's basically, yeah, you're in a sequel, but we don't give a shit. If you have never seen the first one before, you're going to have to just figure your way around this thing. So I enjoyed that. <laughs> the second episode is where they get all Ghostbustery, and that was fun because it's set in 84. Right. And that's pretty much, that to me says 1984 more than anything is the Ghostbusters. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so that was good. But then they do the interesting, what most people will call stunt casting. So they got uh, Sean Astin in it, and he kind of- Sean Astin gets to make out with Winona Ryder. Yeah. And he basically <laughs> is sort of the grown-up version of the kids in the show. He's kind of like them, sort of nerdy. And so it's basically they're just riffing on the Goonies. So he's, uh, so he's Sean Astin. He was the Goonie, right? Yeah, he was the <laughs> main Goonie. Yeah. yeah, he was Mikey. That's right. He plays that up and has a little fun with it. So that's that one was fun. But it wasn't like, oh, come on, fuck you. I mean, it just it all felt really organic. So right. I like that. And then he's such an earnest guy. Yeah. And then Paul Reiser is in it as well. And that always makes me think of Eric. Old fat Paul Reiser. <laughs> yeah, old fat Paul Reiser. <laughs> but it's they're doing the Stranger Things uh titles and it's, you know, all of Winona Ryder, blah blah blah. Paul Reiser. And it makes me think of the the aliens thing. Because they do a riff on aliens, and Eric, every time that one came on, would just start cracking up because it would be like Sigourney Weaver, Lance Henriksen, Paul Reiser. The the man who's synonymous with scary (laughs) sci-fi. Exactly. But he plays a guy you're not quite sure if he's good or bad, so it kind of keeps you on your toes. He's, He's kind of... Off-putting. So he's playing the Paul Reiser character from Aliens. It's kind of like if, if the Paul Reiser character from Mad About You were in Aliens, that's kind of the vibe you get. It took me a minute to recognize him because he he yeah, definitely yeah. has, you know, he's gone a little downhill. He's getting old. It took a couple scenes and I'm like, oh shit, that's Paul Reiser. Yeah. Well, it's like when they put Matthew Modine in the first season of Stranger Things. It's sort of like, right. that's what? That's Modine? Modine got old, man. Shit. So yeah, it's that same vibe. That was funny the way they made him. They like gave him that quaff of like really white hair. It's like basically it's like they throw all of the the good vibes from the '80s nostalgia at you, but they just tweak it in such a way where it's almost off-putting at times because it's like kind of leaves you left of center somewhat. And that's kind of mm, I think that's was, what I like about it so much is that they throw them in, but they're not blatant like a J.J. Abrams kind of thing. They just kind of let it happen, and then you start going, "Oh shit." Is that is that that year? And you start thinking back because we were all about that age of those kids mm-hmm, during yeah. the setting, and then you start getting sort of freaked out by, or at least I got freaked out by that because it's thinking like, oh shit, I knew exactly <laughs> what I was doing then. I had to kind of adjust my reaction to the show in the first season because I was so into how accurate they were being with the period for the first few episodes, and then they like broke it. And I think the first thing they did wrong was they played. And this is so pedantic, but they played the 1989 re-recording of I Melt With You. <laughs> I remember you bitching about that. <laughs> and I was so like, God damn it. You, you, and, and then they started playing songs from years after 1983. And, and it just, uh, yeah. I had to like, okay, fine. I have to give up on, on the accuracy thing. It sort of reminded me of like comic book man, comic book guy from the Simpsons. <laughs> That's pretty well. Uh, there was a radioactive man number 32, not radioactive man number 16. That's funny because I was saying before that, uh, uh it, it's like, if this pisses you off with eighties inaccuracies, the Goldbergs is even worse <laughs> to the point that every episode starts with, uh, Patton Oswalt who narrates saying it was 1980 something like, like he, they refused to give it a year. <laughs> and there Excellent. was a part where it's, he was wearing like, uh, a Harry and the Henderson's shirt and he was talking about how this, uh, uh, I don't know, I think Empire Strikes Back was going to come out. And I just start going, <laughs> no, 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 ah, no. Or, awesome. or that she's that got, awesome. you know, a Rick Springfield poster on her wall while they're waiting to go see Tiffany. And I'm like, that, that's that's not right. No. And my, yeah, my yeah. wife is totally like, how did you ever get laid? 
<laughs> ask her she, she's the only one who can answer that question oh well no i know the answer uh, to that it's pity but uh beyond that yeah that in spanish fly i don't mind just you know getting things kind of in a vibe or a theme it was that they were doing it so well and then they kind of shit the bed yeah. on it i had a similar problem with halt and catch fire actually you know like it's like okay it seemed like you were doing like this accurate period piece but then you weren't mm. yeah anyway any other uh, fresh shit, Chris? Uh, not really. I did watch uh, John Carpenter's The Thing last night because it was on, and I only bring it up because it's got one of my favorite bits in the whole thing when the alien busts out in the dog kennel, and then they all come in, and Kurt Russell asks the guy, he's like, what is it? He's like, I don't know, man, but it's weird and it's pissed, whatever it is. I don't know what the hell's in there. It's weird and pissed off, whatever it is. I would like to not spend the rest of the winter tied to <laughs> this, this fucking couch. couch. Yeah. Or when the head, the head springs legs and starts walking out the door, and the one guy's like, you gotta be fucking <laughs> <Yeah>. kidding. <laughs> so, I just, I, I love that movie so much, but primarily for those three reasons. <laughs> so... You're welcome. Nice. And the idea that that was a remake, that's the other thing. It, yeah. You forget that that was a relatively tame 50s kind of B sci-fi movie. They've tried to bring Carpenter's thing back a couple different ways now. There was a video game version, and then there was like the prequel movie, and just leave it alone. Yeah. Man. It's a classic. Just quit fucking with it. Yeah. Okay. They, they want to franchise out of anything. So... Baton pass to you, Brian. So I'm sad to report that I was totally right uh, last week when I was talking about fresh shit in that I still haven't played those two games I bought and I've been totally playing <laughs> Super Mario Odyssey, Ooh. which is fucking great. Um, is that what that music is I don't, playing right now? Probably, yeah. Okay. Uh, there's actually singing in the music that's probably playing right now, okay. which is from Super Mario Odyssey. Um, so if you've played... Super Mario 64. Uh, this is a clear attempt to tap into that game and then go miles further. Uh, un- now, the Mario Galaxy games on the Wii were also brilliant, um, but this one-ups them in a big way because it's just far more of an open-world kind of aesthetic. Uh, there are moons instead of stars this time, and there are a whole fucking lot of them. So they've learned some lessons from the Zelda series. Um, it is a game that rewards trying to break the game. Like, if you try to do really wacky shit and get into places you're not supposed to get to, you'll find the designers have placed something there for you as a reward for dicking around. Um, and the other big thing they've done is there's a possession mechanic in this game. So you have a hat, and if you throw your hat at things, you can take them over so many of the enemies you come across in the game you can actually possess them and then run around as the enemy and do shit in some cases you can possess the scenery or (laughs) the foliage like you possess it like a tree yes well (laughs) the first one i came across was a cactus you possess a cactus and then you hop around really slowly as a cactus yes um Totally normal. Basically, totally normal. this is a game that's like, if you can think that maybe you can do it, you probably can, and they've probably thought of it and given you a reason to. <laughs> it's okay. brilliant. I miss new Mario games. That used to that used to be fun to like get the new one and see what weird shit they were going to come out with. I think I'm one of the few people who really liked Mario Sunshine. Am I? I seem to think that didn't get reviewed well. Mario Sunshine is, it, you know what? It was reviewed pretty well. It, it is very well remembered nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the thing that really threw people was that it didn't have the variety. Like, they, they just didn't do the Mushroom Kingdom at all. They kind of went and did Pianta Village or whatever. Delfino Island. I still think I, I want to go on a vacation to Delfino Island. And then every level had that tropical theme. People have gotten over that, I think, and now they really respect it. And and it is the other 3D Mario game that is well regarded. Regarded, uh, I think, you know, people want Mario 64 or Sunshine type games, and this new one is very much that. It's absolutely worth the purchase of a Switch just for this game, but also pick up the Zelda because holy fuck, hmm. Breath of the Wild is intense. So yeah, uh, great video game keeping me from my other video games. Man. 
and <laughs> that's really all I've had time for. I have been, we are in the final phases of the remodel. I've been building furniture from Ikea and uh, rewiring all my shit. So here's my takeaway from this fresh shit is that all three of us have severe first world problems this week. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I feel so bad for us. <laughs> I've often wondered though if like some if if a if a guy in India has a uh, uh an iPhone and it doesn't update properly, does that now make it a third world problem? <laughs> yes. Mm, by definition. Maybe second world by now. Hasn't India been on the upswing? I've never gotten a good idea what the second world is. It's uh Chicago. Oh, no. It's Chicago. Oh. If if one of our friends who listens to this podcast and lives in <laughs> India would care to comment, yeah. who could, could that be? Magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Which world are you in other than the first so we can look down on you? <laughs> <laughs> That was so fresh. That was fresh. So we started this ball rolling a while back, and by God, we're going to pick it up and run with the motherfucker. We're going to do the Marvel Cinematic Universe Phase 2. Marvel Phase 2 Electric Boogaloo? Phase 2, yes. Electric Boogaloo. Okay. Uh, so we uh, we differed a bit on Avengers. I thought it was a total high note, and I guess I was uh, more bullish on it than you guys were. But then we get to these movies well let's do do a quick rundown so that we can kind of know because i'm i always get them confused so what's the order so phase two starts with iron man three okay followed by thor 2 the dark world captain america the winter soldier guardians of the galaxy Avengers, Age of Ultron, and then for some reason, Phase 2 officially ends with Ant-Man. Because they weren't sure if it was going to be any good or not, and it was would be easier to cast off. Yeah. Uh, but I I like that they, they didn't go with their first uh, selection of Uncle Woman. That would have been <laughs> awful. <laughs> <laughs> That's awful. I love it. Yeah, you're welcome. Okay. So anyway, the first movie is Shane Black's Iron Man 3. Yay! Which is a Shane Black film, isn't it? Is. It's it set at Christmas time. Yes. And it's kind of a buddy flick. And oddly unmemorable. I mean, I, I don't remember much about it at all. I remember it being better than Iron Man 2, but I mean, otherwise, not a whole lot. You told this story uh, previously, Brian, about when you and Eric went and saw it. And it was the big reveal. So if anybody hasn't seen Iron Man 3, this is a spoiler and just oh, yeah, walk fine. away. Spoilers. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoilers. Spoilers. The whole podcast is spoilers. Again. Spoilers. But frankly, that movie's been out for four years, so you, you can take it as it comes. Let me say it. Let me say it. Can I say it? Let me say it. I want to say it. Do it. Kevin Spacey's actually gay. <laughs> Did you know that? Yeah, that that came out in Iron Man three, and okay, sorry, go ahead. Okay, <laughs> yeah, the I think it was the kid in Iron Man three was saying that. Oh, yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, he kept telling people, and people would go, "Yeah." And the kid in Iron Man three is also the kid in Jurassic World. I noticed this weekend when I saw Jurassic World, and that threw me. Anyway, um, yeah, my my experience watching Iron Man three was weird because. I saw it three times in a 24-hour period when oh, it came shit. out. Wow. So I had plans to see, you know, my family, we do all the Marvel movies together, so I had to go see it with them. Uh, Eric was like, hey, we should like go to a movie, and I didn't want to turn Eric down. And so I, I already had plans to see it twice. And then I go to work, <laughs> and on that day, and the boss is like, all right, we're not working. We're all going to go watch Iron Man and go to the movies. <laughs> So, by so then, the th- I've seen it before all of these people I'm supposed to see it with, right? I've, I've seen it before my family. I've seen it before I've seen it with Eric, and I watched that fucking movie three times in a 24-hour period. And Eric, I think you were the last time I saw it. So, yeah, we're watching Iron Man 3, and I remember the moment where the, um, the big reveal happens uh, with the Mandarin, and Eric just starts... Short circuiting. No. <laughs> no. No. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like me and every fanboy going. No. 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 
<laughs> That's and awesome. they had been doing such a good job of of giving us an interesting Mandarin up to that point too. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. Well, that, the good thing about that one, and this is something I've noticed for Phase Two as a whole, at least at least the first few, there's always like a guy behind the guy kind of thing happening with the mm. the baddies for uh for much of them yeah and that's not, and it was sort of set with iron man 3 but it's yeah it's very it's not a great surprise gosh. anymore yeah. yeah i like iron man 3 in general uh i'm kind of pulled out of it when they do the everybody's falling out of air force one and we have to do a human chain yeah uh, to save that, them i'm like there's that's just there's no business for that to be in there at all but the fact that they blow the crap out of tony stark's mansion in very glorious fashion uh and then you get all the suits at the end doing their little yeah various dance i mean it's uh, this it's staged really well but the human chain thing just pulled me right out of it but i did love is there's that whole sequence where tony doesn't have the armor and they basically recreate the end of beverly hills cop and <laughs> exactly trading yeah the the villa you know yeah. with you know with his guile or whatever yeah that was um, very 80s movie you just yep. needed the was, the music. <laughs> now every time I watch it, that's all I'm going to think of. Thank you. And <laughs> and they had a they had a reference in that too, where there was like um one of the one of the thugs, and he's just like, dude, dude, I just work here. Seriously, I'm I'm out. Yeah, <laughs> I really liked it, but I did I do think that Iron Man three sets up what is the real arc of Phase two, which is that Jarvis is the hero. Um, all of the suits at the end are not being driven by Tony Stark. They're being driven by Jarvis. Yeah. And ultimately, the entire phase two is really about creating the vision. But we'll get to that. We will. Um, and just, I might add, jumping ahead to Avengers Age of Ultron, there is a, early on a point where you see a sticker uh, that Tony Stark has put on something and it just says, Jarvis is my co-pilot. Yeah. <laughs> I, Iron Man 3, was it was good. I didn't think it was as good as Avengers, but it was probably my favorite of the three Iron Man movies. I wasn't as big a fan of the first one as everybody in the else in the universe oh. uh, seems to have been. Yeah, see, I think that um, first of that first one is damn near perfect. Yeah, I enjoy it. I like the fact that it, they killed Lebowski in it. Obadiah Stain. <laughs> Stain. <laughs> Because they didn't, they weren't really shooting off of a script at some point. They were just sort of making it up as they went along. Because they were going to get Mandarin in that one. It's, it's, I guess, for the initial right. draft, and then they scrapped it. And so then they decided, well, we'll have to kill the baddie. So then they did Ironmonger, and yeah. apparently Jeff Bridges was is still kind of pissed because he uh, <laughs> he got killed off. And I guess he 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 just saw that all those dollar signs just shriveling up. <laughs> but everything is so revisionist, and we're going to get to it. People don't stay dead in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. True. But it does also get so crowded, you can't bring everybody in. Like, um, uh, Hammer is is a guy who's the, 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 from the second movie. He, mm-hmm. He's he's a, you know, a an antagonist of Tony Stark's throughout the thing, but I really doubt we're going to see him again. Cause there's Didn't no he have room. a cameo in Iron Man 3? Did he? Maybe on like a I TV. Don't remember. I think he did. It might have been one of the like credits things or something, but yeah. I'm pretty sure he was he was he had a small cameo in, in Iron Man Three. Oh yeah. Overall good a good three. I would I would give it a thumbs up. Yeah, it was it was definitely watchable. Yeah. All I can say is I just don't remember much of it. I, I, I there's like bits and pieces, like scenes I've seen. Maybe you remember it better because you saw it three fucking times in 24 hours. But. <laughs> Such a super fan. I think I was just being nice to people. I, I shouldn't have watched it that many times. Um, so then we get to, and this one, I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say about Thor 2, The Dark World. I loved it. Uh-huh. I really loved it. I did, too. It. Nobody likes this movie, but I fucking thought it was... A yeah. blast. I think of the fights that happen where they're falling through the, the portals between worlds. I'm yes. like, they set that up perfectly so that when it happens, I, I mean, basically, just the whole world comes unglued and you're along for the ride. I thought it was so smart. Oh, the portal fight was, was genius. It was good. Uh, I just think it's a criminal underuse of Christopher Eccleston, though, as the bad guy. I will agree with you there. It's just he he didn't really serve any purpose other than to advance the storyline. I didn't even know that was him until after. Yeah. It also kind of presented this weird idea of the society before universal existence, you know. 
it's like the, mm-hmm. the big bang happened but before that there were all these people and things running around and I thought god what a wild fucking idea yeah. and I'm guessing that's supposed to be what Thanos comes out of but somehow none of that seems as trippy as these weird dark elves from Thor yeah and then like the the, the planets align uh, all of that stuff it was also a really comedic it was a really comedic movie they went for yeah. a lot of jokes uh, I love the bit at the end with the monsters still running around in, in the <laughs> Yeah, city. but they don't address it ever again. That's Jason what's funny. Bird. It's just like, oh, there's a monster running around London. Nobody's talking about it. Or Chris Evans playing Loki, playing Captain America. Oh, that was yeah, that brilliant was moment. Beautiful. Perhaps you prefer one of your new companions, given that you seem to like them so much. Oh, this is much better. Whoa. Costume's a bit much. So tight. But the confidence... Feel the righteousness surging. Hey, want to have a rousing discussion about truth, honor, patriotism? God bless them. That's good. Uh, but I could have no, done. I, I could have done without Natalie Portman because now every time I see her on screen, all I can think of is your stupid thing, Brian. Thank you, Magic Trash Can. Thank you, Magic Trash Can. <laughs> <laughs> and she doesn't want to be there. That's probably the other thing. Every time no. I see her in one of these movies, I go, "Oh, poor thing. She has to do one of these Marvel <laughs> movies again." Well, she's she's out. She got she escaped. I mean, they they rode around in a ship that was basically Thor's helmet from the comics. It, it's it's so over the top goofy. <laughs> And uh, that's true. Oh, I damn remember it. watching it and thinking, you know, I remember at the time the reviews were kind of negative, and I'm like, y'all don't know how to have fun because if this yeah. movie had come out standalone without any of the other Marvel movies, and certainly without the Avengers before it, if it had just come out Thor, you know, I would have been all over this shit, and so would have everybody else. Like it was fun. Yeah. Well, it definitely definitely upped the stakes, and now we get something like Thor Ragnarok, which can just be even weirder and goofier uh thanks to the dark world because it's sort of they 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 took sort of a standard thor origin story and then they give us dark world and it's like like you say it's just it's just nuts i think we have to go back to the original thesis that people just fucking suck because all, all they want, every time you come so up with a say sequel, we all. yeah, every time you make a sequel, all they want is that thing they saw the last time. They don't want yeah. anything original. They just want, you know, that thing, again, different. That thing you do, yeah. But after that, we get, uh, speaking of characters who don't stay dead, uh, Captain America, the Winter Soldier, which was the other one I saw with Eric. Yeah, and yeah. that's probably Uh-oh. my favorite of all the Marvel movies. <clears throat> Me too. I loved that movie. It's right that was up my, there. That was my birthday movie the year it came out because it was the the weekend of my birthday, and I went and saw it in 3D, and loved it. Yeah. Amazing. Who would have thought that we would have all been into first of all Captain America in the first place, and second of all him kicking this much ass? Like this is easily the best action in any of the Marvel films. Mm-hmm. Definitely. The whole sequence with with them going after. Uh, Nick Fury in the car. Oh, like yeah. that whole yeah. that whole chase and gunfight and everything is just—it's tight. I, I personally loved the bit in um, the first act when Captain America's in the elevator and they all start getting in the elevator, and he just says, yeah. "All right, if anybody wants to get out now, <laughs> they just start going yeah. crazy." Yeah. Before we get started, does anyone want to get out? Well, and I also like. Because we were talking about uh, stunt casting in Stranger Things too. Well, this one they got Robert Redford, and I love it because they they mm-hmm. pull that sort of pseudo seventies political thriller vibe, and then right. they have the gall to put fucking Redford in the middle of it. I thought, oh, that's awesome. Right. The sta- the the um, what was his name? Pakula. Um, Alan J. The, Pakula. Yeah, the Alan J. Pakula version of a of a superhero movie. Yeah, they'll have political intrigue, and- <laughs> basically, or a. Uh, Ah, uh, what's his name? The guy that did Three Days of the Condor. It kind of had that vibe. Hmm. I can't think of him. Yeah. Or well, Three Days uh, of the Condor didn't have this much shield foo though. Like they yeah, came up yeah. with more creative ways <laughs> exactly. to hurt people with a shield in this thing. I love uh, it. Yeah, uh, it's good. Not much else to say. I mean, it's. Oh, you know. I've got a couple things I want to say about it. Um, one is they set up two possible Chris Evans replacements in the comics. Both Falcon and the Winter Soldier have at times been 
Captain America. Captain America, yeah. They, yeah. They set up both of those characters pretty well in this film. Um, but, and, okay, I didn't like what they did with Black Widow. They were a little too flirty in that movie for my tastes. Or at least, if they're not going to go anywhere with that, it, it seemed off. Well, but, well, you know, she's really only his only friend. Uh, so yeah, I can yeah. see how it would it plays a little bit. But to that, Toby yeah. Jones is Arnim Zola. Give it up for <laughs> Arnim Zola in this movie. Uh, oh my god! No, no, I love the. I mean, yeah, that was great. But what I love is the inherent uh, explanation that Hydra is basically Google. google maps it's like you know everything that cell phone in your fucking pocket that's how we took over and you were all too happy to let us weren't you you lazy piece of shit yeah uh welcome to my brain and gary shandling is part of hydra (laughs) it's it's just it's fitting uh but yeah overall the only thing i don't like about it because it's sort of tiresome now when it happens is the third act climax and it's just so much destruction going on with those helicarrier things. And it just, it's, it basically is too much when I try to watch it now. Cause up to the, up to that point, it was a really tight sort of on the run political thriller type thing. Yeah. yeah. And then they got to go full bore Marvel and do the Avengers ending all over again. This is, yeah, this is before Marvel's figured out how to like lower the stakes and still have a good movie, which they do eventually do. Yeah. Um, but not in this one, but, this movie was awesome. It's also not technically possible. You've got three of these flying things that are supposed to cover the world, presumably. And it's like, yeah. the world is awful damn big. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's for true. three of those things, yeah, either you get a bunch of them. Well, maybe just the continents. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Either you get a bunch of them or you basically say, we're going to kill every bad person in like, you know, a 20 mile area. <laughs> It works, but it was sort of like the uh, the plot point from Real Genius in a way, and so that one kind of takes me out of it too. <laughs> oh yeah, so you know it's a, it has I have my problems with the third act, but I'm willing to overlook because the rest of the movie is so awesome. I, yeah. I will, anytime they, it's on TV, I'll stop and watch. Frank, you know? they did have some real balls saying that uh, you know the whole thing with Shield and Hydra and keeping that a secret. And and going full yeah. out and just being like, yeah, we're yeah. we're going for big that's, comic book plot lines. Yeah, th- <laughs> that's worth that's I think worth bringing up too because I was watching that first, you know, that was like first season of Agents of Shield when yeah, you know right, it was still right. kind of you know good and it's it's had its ups and downs. But I remember watching the first few episodes and going. Fuck this show. This is like a defense of fascism. Everything is <laughs> Shield says so, and so that's the way it is, and we put people in jail for no reason. And I and it turns out that yeah, that was exactly the reaction I was supposed to have because <laughs> it was being run by bad right. guys. Right. And is and right after the when they finally brought the timelines together for the shows, I remember the Agents of Shield logo was actually the Hydra logo. Yeah. That first episode. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that. Oh, it's been so long. All right, so we all agree. Captain America 2, good stuff. Very mm-hmm. good stuff. And Bucky. I all like right. Bucky. So, in my opinion, the the reason I'm so psyched for Ragnarok is it looks very much like they're taking the lessons learned from Thor the Dark World and the next one, which was the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Yeah, uh, which I know you like a lot. Of, oh, man. It is my second favorite. Guardians Marvel of the movie. Galaxy? Yes. Uh fucking great i don't understand what you have against this movie i don't know what's going on i watched it and i'm like what 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 i I, it's a mess it is all over the place and there's like cute kind of fun jokes about fish out of wateriness i mean it's one of the few movies i've ever seen where all of the supporting characters are far more interesting to me you know. Yeah, that's that's my ba- main beef with it. Is just I I don't care for Chris Pratt as a leading man in any way, shape, or form. And it just when he gets his screen time and he's being all suave and debonair, it's just like no, dude, no, yeah. no. Or Gamora or the bad guy, but but I I loved uh, Dave Bautista as yes. Um, yeah, oh, he was. He was. Yeah, Drax a, a, is amazing. A revelation, I would dare say, and also one of my favorite parts from, uh, seriously, from Blade Runner twenty forty nine. I thought he was just yep. What yeah. a find! 
Yeah. Who knew? Who knew? Who knew? So I think maybe this might be part of our disconnect. I didn't view it as much as a Chris Pratt is the lead film. I viewed it more as a team. Yeah. Uh, part of it might be I never watched Parks and Recreation. I so didn't I really not either. Sick of Chris Pratt. <laughs> I didn't either. I just don't think he's a very good actor. <laughs> so it just sort of no, takes me out he, of it. He's one of those people who plays Chris Pratt yeah. every movie. He's yeah. like Kevin Costner, right? Like, yeah. or he's just that guy. But, um, but that guy works as Star Lord. In fact, in, as far as I'm concerned, he can't be in any other movies because he's Star Lord. So Jurassic World was like Star Lord. With dinosaurs, it didn't. <laughs> yeah, the, the, didn't make any sense. The raptor whisperer. Yeah, I'm not saying I have a problem with Chris Pratt necessarily. Just what we got of Star Lord was, you know, a uh, another another Hamlet wandering around looking for his dad in the most shallow way. But you know what? I can ignore that because I don't care. And we go on to defending <laughs> this world that I don't care about either. And so it just becomes an effects fest. Oh, but there's no there's wow. no connection. I just didn't care. I, I'd say the one part of that movie that I really, really, really loved was that it had David Bowie. That was the best. Yeah, well, that, the whole nowhere <laughs> sequence was... Um, was really cool, and that was uh, so. That was part of what appealed to me was they they just broadened the canvas by like a million, yeah. right? And they said we can do any damn thing we choose. Well, that's you had so you had Dark World, but they they really they really went bug fuck nuts with this one. I remember when it was coming out, and I just thought that looks insane. Mm-hmm. And then it is it was a little bit crazy bonkers. Yeah. I never, I didn't know how they were going to do it because the Guardians of the Galaxy. I mean, the whole idea of a, a tree that says three words and a raccoon with a machine gun, and it works. Yeah. <laughs> um. <laughs> yeah, surprisingly. I do like that they got Lee Pace to play Ronan, though, because I, I always think of him from Pushing Daisies as the pie man. <laughs> so that one was kind of mm. uh, off-putting to me at first because he's just got that <laughs> blue face and he's just walking around going, I'm like, Cocky do you poopy. stupid villain. But I did not know how they were going to do Guardians of the Galaxy because the Guardians of the Galaxy actually predates everything Marvel in, you know, in the timeline. And yeah, then right. this is actually the... This is actually the new Guardians of the Galaxy, the Guardians of the Galaxy 2, but they're treating them as one. It's... Right. Yeah. Well, that actually gets addressed in the second Guardians movie, if you've seen it. Um, no, I'm too yeah. behind. I haven't even seen Spider-Man, okay. so. Oh, well, Spider-Man you should see just for the, the lowered stakes, uh, and also it's really good. Um, I'll get to it. God. Uh, <laughs> but no, Guardians, to me, so Guardians was a, a few things. One, it was, yeah, ragtag band of assholes. All of the characters are really flawed. Um, all of our, you know, and, and they're not shying away from it. Um, they, they went crazy far in terms of what's possible and what's imaginative and they brought the fun. It's a silly movie. They don't intend for it not to be. It is totally goofy and a blast. The other thing they do a lot, and I, I didn't rewatch it for the podcast and I wanted to just for this point. Um, as I recall watching it over and over, I kept finding myself going, oh, there's a, there's a cliche outcome to this scene and then they subverted it. And that happens over and over. The best I can think of right off the top of my head, having not watched it in like a year is a scene where they're confronting the villain and they finally get their clean shot with the big gun and it does nothing. Um... But there fuck, are scenes like all. that throughout the movie where it's like you think you know what's going to happen, and then they they play against your expectations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it has. Mo- I mean, I don't, I don't dislike it. It's just I don't run out and see it when it's on now. It, it just sort of, oh, um, I don't mm. know. I don't know really how to explain it. It just doesn't grab me the way it, it does you. I think uh, mm. for for whatever reason. Because you're dead inside. It might be just my, yeah, it might be my cold black heart, <laughs> maybe. Uh, this is why Eric really doesn't like it, because he's so dead inside. <laughs> no, my, my problem is different. I, I, I get way too, you know, I, I, I start like looking at screenplay shit instead of look like looking at cool junk flying around blowing up. 
But but that makes no sense. Wait a minute. In episode hey. in, in issue forty three, <laughs> they went blue diddy blue diddy. That's like radioactive man number forty two. Yeah. See, there. That's the that's the thing. It's like in terms of fan service, half of me like I know a lot of this shit because I was that geek, and so if I don't like the movie, I just sort of retreat into no. But that's the thing. The the, the Joker never actually had children, so I don't know yeah. why they're doing you know. Well, I think for me, it, it might actually just be because the Phase Two movies is sort of where the fatigue started to set in. Yeah, and I, and I and you know you hit that high note with Captain America: Winter Soldier, which is my favorite one of the bunch. And then it's sort of you're coming down off of that, going, well, how can they top it? And then everything is sort of eh. And so by the time Guardians of the Galaxy came out, I was just I I think I just went just because you kind of have to keep up with the storyline, and that's before I just said I'm done. Uh, I think so that I was actually, yeah, that, the thing is, that's the movie that where I gave up. That's yeah. why I, you know, know so little. I, I gave, I gave <laughs> it to the age of Avengers age of Ultron, uh, which we can get to in a second here, but I'll just be on record. I, I walked out of that one. Just, I was angry. <laughs> I was so mad. Well, let's, <laughs> let's go there. Cause that is the next movie. And uh, yeah, so we had gone in, you know, we were super f- big fans of the first Avengers. We were really, um, hardened by guardians of the galaxy because it was, not grim and dark and was just a big you know fun movie and then so we're like okay great Avengers 2 they get it and then we got Avengers 2 Age of Ultron which is kind of Joss Whedon having the same problem that you're having with the Marvel movies all over the screen yeah mm-hmm. it's just, there's, there's too much it's just too much it's sort of like when uh, when Tim Burton left the Batman movies and Joel Schumacher came in and it's that dividing line between Batman Returns where you've got Penguin and Catwoman and it works and then you get the next one where it's Two-Face and Riddler and it doesn't. It's just, I don't know where the disconnect is but it's just, there's too much going on in here. I watched Ultron again yesterday uh, to try and, and understand what my reaction to it is because I remember it being like I really wanted to enjoy it and there are enjoyable things in it but it just kind of leaves you just kind of cold when it's over. Yeah. Um, so some observations on a, on a recent viewing. None of the setup works. Like, this whole movie is really about getting the Vision and, and the Scarlet Witch into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. That is its whole... Mm-hmm. Re- yeah. That and setting up the Infinity Stone thing. And all of the stuff that's doing that work, the Marvel Cinematic Uni- Universe work, fails yeah mm-hmm. it definitely it definitely feels like a 150 million dollar placeholder yeah <laughs> i mean my my constant complaint with all with with marvel movies is always the number of scenes that are in there to like glue it together into a big long thing yeah and this was supposed to be the payoff of all the glue and no, it was a whole lot more glue they didn't really <laughs> set anything up properly yet and actually i my my issue with the age of ultron largely because there's a lot of stuff in there that's actually really good the, yeah. the big problem though is you ever notice uh sometime after naked gun leslie nielsen stopped being funny because somebody <laughs> yeah, yeah, informed yeah, him yeah. that he's funny yeah, yeah, it's the same thing. You're going to love this shit. We got a guy who flies and a, a, a witch. Yeah, oh. all right. Here's your latest ah. shit, dummy. You know, And so they just oh. act like all this stuff already works without making sure it works. Yeah. So the first shot of Ultron is everything that's wrong with it. It is they open with the big, huge tracking shot that jumps through all of the characters in action. And then there's that freezy slow-mo. It's totally unearned. (laughs) Like, when when they do that shot in the first Avengers, they've been building up for two hours to get to the moment where they gel as a team, and that's the payoff. (laughs) In this, it's like, and here we go. And, um, And all of the setup in this movie is rushed, forced, and doesn't really work. The origin of Ultron doesn't really work. The origin of Quicksilver and the Scarlet Witch doesn't really work. And they bring in fucking Loki's scepter again? <laughs> hey, man, you can't keep a good scepter down. They only have so many Infinity Stones, which is ironic because they're called Infinity, <laughs> infinity Stones. Stones. exactly. <laughs> infinity plus two. There's a line in this movie that says, Everyone creates the thing they dread. And I have to think that in some way, Joss Whedon is is 
crying for help when he says that line. Yeah. He actually apologized for this movie. He said, I'm so sorry, I was tired. I ran out of ideas. And yeah. they, at the time it was coming out, they were like, yeah, this is the movie we wanted to make in the first place. And he said, yeah, that's true. But unfortunately, it wasn't the movie we made. We made this other one with all my energy. And you know, then I was just tapped. Yeah. Well, it just seems like they were just yeah. trying to shoehorn everything in. And it, it's obvious. I think that's where it fails. It just mm-hmm. doesn't seem like it's having any fun. Uh, the only only scene sequence that I really enjoy is the uh, the Hulkbuster sequence. Yeah, and that Hulkbuster yeah. versus and, Hulk is great. Yeah, and you could you could take that out, and it really wouldn't affect the movie flow. Yeah. No, yeah, it was just it was just because we all want a Hulk movie. Yeah, I think it was good because it was the scene that they could previs before there was a script. Yeah, they were just like, okay, we're doing Hulk versus Hulkbuster. Yeah, storyboard that shit, do the so, animatics, and it yeah, it had nothing to do with yeah. the plot. Uh, the other good scene was the chase in Korea. By the way, that that was a really good one. And I thought that I was sure though when they had that whole thing of Hulk uh, and you know he, he, Iron Man only just barely you know dropping him. I was sure they were setting up an actual Hulk movie of Planet Hulk because Planet Hulk is really about how they basically deport him off the Earth. Yeah, it's like they say, you know what? He's just too fucking dangerous. Let's get rid of him. I thought, oh, mm-hmm. oh, yay. Well, apparently, because they're doing the Planet Hulk sort of vibe for Thor Ragnarok, because mm-hmm. I've, I've been reading some things and I didn't really delve too deeply, but the gist of it was that Marvel's now going back and retconning Age of Ultron for the end to kind of explain how Hulk gets yeah, to the Yeah, I guess the, the, the original shot was he was supposed to fly that thing into space. Yeah. yeah. So. They did make mention of, wait a minute, where's Thor and Hulk? And I thought that was kind of ham-handed. I knew that yeah. I knew they were planning <laughs> yeah, something, but, yeah, you know. Yeah. So we'll see. So there's the the Hulkbuster scene is fun, but what gets me is you get to the very end and it's the big drawn out overstuffed big action climax uh, on the floaty rock mm-hmm. that somehow is going to destroy Earth because he's going to pummel it. And it's the thing where they're all in that sort of citadelish uh, building and all the robots are coming at them and he's doing all mm-hmm. of like the slow motion where they're each doing their yeah. thing and like Captain America's doing like flip twirls in the air for kicking and whatnot. Yeah. And it just, again, it just doesn't feel earned. It's exactly like the opening shot. It's just none of this is there to do anything except just give you this. I mean, it, God it, damn it. Yeah. You just said everything I was I was thinking, which is yeah, it they 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 have all of these tableau shots, yeah, because you mm-hmm. see tableau splash panels in comics, but again, yeah, not earned, yeah. So it's oh, just, the it's first bothersome. movie. If you compare it, if you compare Avengers to Avengers Ultron, like the first movie, I was I was commenting in our last podcast about this about the efficiency of the script, and it was about giving every character an interaction with Loki as a villain. And it was about banging the the Avengers characters themselves against each other like they're toys. And there's like none of that in this movie except for the Hulk and, and Hulkbuster scene. Yeah. They they don't really put them against each other, which was what part of what made it so much fun. Well, I think part of it is because they, they throw them out in the middle of fucking nowhere on that farm with Hawkeye. And mm. so suddenly they're doing <laughs> fucking Green Acres in the middle of this large action spectacle. I mean, it's come on, man. Just come on. Hawkeye... This movie was this movie was structured to be an apology to uh, to Hawkeye for, for, <laughs> for sucking so for, much for in his the last thirteen one. minutes of screen yeah. time in the Avengers, and so they gave him a farm and a wife. Somehow, I think he should have read that contract <laughs> a little closer. <laughs> exactly, they gave him the uh, best line though. He says he says to Scarlet Witch, "The city is flying. We're fighting an army of robots, and I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense." <laughs> <laughs> well, at least he's onto it. Okay, yeah. the, the city is flying. We're fighting an army of robots. And I have a bow and arrow. None of this makes sense. And even the end credit scene was unearned. So the end credit scene is just Thanos just, grabbing yeah, the yeah. Affinity Gauntlet going, fine, I'll do it myself. It's like, yeah. even yeah. that doesn't have any relationship to the movie yeah. at all. Yeah, Thanos yeah. didn't make Ultron. The Infinity Gauntlet was last seen in Odin's vault. How did he get it? They don't know. Yeah. They don't care. <laughs> and ultimately, it's also uh, another criminal underuse of an actor i thought james spader was totally wasted as ultron that could have been so fun it could have been oh, so I good he was the best part it's just yeah it, he was hilarious he just he's uh, he just wasn't spader enough for me i guess i don't know maybe i had i had too high of an expectation for him but it sort oh, of oh i love i loved i loved his dismissive attitude you know like captain america's fighting him in the chase and Kree's just like 
stop it, you know, <laughs> or, or when the Hulk busts into his jet at the end, he's like, oh, for, for God's sake, sake. Uh, you know. No, the, but my favorite line was, you know, those little things, babies. That's right, babies. <laughs> I loved that. Everyone creates the thing they dread. Men of peace create engines of war. Invaders create Avengers. People create smaller people. Children. I lost the word there. Children. They also set up the bad guy for uh, uh, Black Panther. True. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. They did set up Ulysses Claw. I, and that's the thing. I didn't know that's who that was when I was watching it, but I was like, I, I dig his whole thing about cuttlefish. Everybody's afraid of something. Cuttlefish. Deep sea fish. They make lots. Disco lots. <laughs> they hypnotize their prey. And then... <laughs> I saw a documentary. It was terrifying. So, yeah, I think Avengers Age of Ultron is where everybody got tired of it, including the people making the movies. Yeah. And and they did scale it down. And the first movie that scaled it down was Ant-Man, Ant which is the movie that ends phase two. Now, we got to talk about Edgar Wright's Ant-Man yeah, here. Yeah, we do. God Cause damn the, it. Because the test reels from Edgar Wright doing the proof of concept for Ant-Man, if you've seen those online... Are fucking amazing. Oh. It's just you know, I you you just think an Ant Man, yeah, whatever. But then he does an actual sequence where he's shrinking down and flipping people and you know throw them around, and it works. Well, didn't they use some of the previs from that in the final movie? Yeah, some of the the sequencing is is the same because basically he got let go right before they started filming. I think it was, and then they brought in what's his face from. Uh, down by love and uh, bring it on what's his name Eric I don't, I don't know I really don't he, but he's the guy that did down with love or whatever that uh, uh, Ewan McGregor yeah, thing I is love, I love down with love I just don't know his name <laughs> yeah it's something goofy yeah. uh, so it just it just seems like there, there was a disconnect because they had all this energy and, and good stuff and then Edgar Wright leaves in a pisser uh, because they wouldn't let him do probably what he wanted to do, mm. which is a shame because that would have been and awesome. He worked on it for years. Like this was a passion project on an obscure character, and yeah, and you know Edgar Wright had it well structured. Yeah, it was probably he had all the freedom in the world before there was a cinematic universe, and then they told him, "Look, yeah. we got to mash this thing." And you're working mm -hmm. for McDonald's now; it needs to all kind of <laughs> taste the same. Mm -hmm. The movie that came out wasn't bad. But it definitely, um, it had a few strikes against it. One, everybody was kind of, you know, off their footing from having, you know, Avengers Ultron. And two, there was that buzz of, well, this isn't really the movie that was supposed to get made. Yeah. So it's, a, it's an example of Disney firing a director. It's <laughs> also the first instance I'm aware of of Disney showing off their de-aging special effects. <laughs> um, which about, would really know. show up in Rogue One, Tron. Um. Oh, yeah. I guess you're yeah, right. Tron yeah. Legacy does predate Ant Man. Yeah. Eric. Eric okay. for the win. Eric for the win. <laughs> <laughs> so is is Disney still the only studio that's done that? Because like, I mean, I suppose there's always been subtle work on on any given movie. I know that I know that there's like a whole effects industry for making actors airbrushed in motion, but. Like going to the extent of you are thirty years younger. Um, well, I don't know. I can only think of Disney movies that did it. Does it does it count for something like Benjamin Button, but in reverse? Uh, I don't know. That's a that's an interesting point. It's a that's a fair question. <laughs> but yeah, young Michael Douglas shows up in this movie. Oh, uh, actually, and now they think of it, Anthony Hopkins in uh, Westworld. I still haven't seen Westworld. Yeah, I haven't I need seen to get any of that. Yeah. All right, get hopping. Yeah, it's okay. really great. <laughs> okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> the only thing I can think of about Ant-Man is it has the, the schmucky guy from the first season of House of Cards as the main villain, and I just can't see him as anything other than the schmucky guy from House of Cards. <laughs> <laughs> Me too! <laughs> I, I've never seen it, but uh, I yeah, I didn't know who he was, and I was sort of just glossed over every time he was on on screen. And Evangeline Lilly is still the chick from Lost. 
Yeah. Um, and Paul Rudd is Paul Rudd. Yeah. Uh, and who was the the buddy though? He was the standout to me. He's he oh, was funny. Yeah, Michael Pena. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's his. No, Michael that's his Pena name. was walked away with the whole movie because <laughs> he just has that off kilter delivery, and it's like, what is wrong <laughs> with this dude? Because every scene he's in, it's just there's something seriously fucked up about this guy. But when you see Michael Payne in regular interviews, he's just totally normal. And it's like, Oh, you pulled off a coup, my friend, you are good. So Ant-Man reminds me of like, okay. So in the nineties we had, you know, Batman had been this huge hit. And then, so we had all of these like C list superhero movies in the nineties. And Ant-Man feels like the modern equivalent of those nineties superhero movies like steel. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. I can see what you're going for there. Yeah. It has that kind of I don't give a shit vibe about it. Well, plus it's the first one when they came out and they basically just made it part of the marketing package that, hey, this is a jokey Marvel, but it's still got the action. It's smart if you think about it, because if they were to like put all their eggs into the serious basket of, you know, these few superheroes, eventually they run. A, in fact, very fast they'll run out of steam you know it won't take yeah. long before mm-hmm. no one cares about iron man and thor it's like you kind of have to be stupid 20 to 30 percent of the time because you might get something <laughs> out of it like deadpool That's true. it's like a man almost could almost be deadpool but they just didn't commit i yeah. guess that's probably a good way to put it it could have been so much more but it wasn't Well, but they did do. They were successful in making a watchable movie with lowered stakes, right? Like the the fight at the end is literally about you know his daughter, and it's in her bedroom. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just but every but while watching that sequence, while it's inventive and it's kind of fun because they're tossing around toy trains, and then every now and then you would get the pull away shot to the real life, and it's just yeah, little right. plastic trains going clank clank. <laughs> uh, I thought that was it was funny, but all I can think about was if Edgar Wright were doing this. This would be so much more immense and massive and mm, amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just there was something missing. It's like they had all the parts and pieces, but it just didn't kind of click the right way. I don't know. It was it was just difficult to watch. Yeah, the idea of Scott Pilgrim in the Ant Man suit. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, what it would have yeah, been. Yeah. It would have been complete anarchy, but linear. Yeah, but the jokes on them because he went on to do Baby Driver, which is fucking amazing. And true. that had all the energy that I think Ant-Man probably lacked. Uh, so I think that's probably <laughs> in retrospective why it's why I can't really watch Ant-Man because it's just sort of flat. It just kind of, yeah. eh, it is, it is what it is, but eh, whatever. Ant-Man so. is, I think going to be like the Hulk in that they're not, it works better in the context of a larger movie. I think Ant-Man was well utilized uh, in civil war, you yeah. know, in I phase three. Yeah. Um but uh, I don't know. Ant-Man and the Wasp is coming and we'll see. Ooh. Ant-Man I felt like was there it was their attempt to be, I don't know, wacky and crazy, but they were wacky and crazy in like a pre- predictable bland way and the way they used him in, in in Civil War I thought was interesting for effects, but you know, whatever interest in that character they developed was gone. You know, he was just a second banana. Oh, he wasn't a character. He was a dopey guy who had uh, Captain America warship, yeah. and that was it. Well, at least with, with Ant-Man ending the Phase 2, then Captain America Civil War is the first one of Phase 3, so you, you didn't have a lot of gap time is between it, the two. There, was there not anything else? No, no. For phase, I don't even know. No, Ant-Man, up. Ant- Ant-Man ended the, the Phase 2, and then Civil War was the, the first one for the next... Hmm. Uh, so you basically got Ant-Man in two back to back and I think he was utilized enough to where it was sort of, I don't know, kind of solidified him in the canon more or less. Cause the, the movie itself is just, eh. So join us for our Marvel phase three episode in like two years when phase three ends. <laughs> um, because until then we're just going to be doing podcasts about other shit. A side thing that has nothing to do with Marvel, but is actually DC. It came. I, I thought of it when you were talking about uh, the Batman and Robin movie. Did you know that they were planning a fifth Batman movie after Batman and Robin? Oh yeah, with the Scarecrow. Yeah, Batman Triumphant, and <laughs> Madonna was going to play uh, um, uh, uh, Harley, uh, Harley, Harley. Harley Quinn. 
Harley Quinn. I don't remember that stunt cast. I remember they at one point they were talking Howard Stern as the Scarecrow. Yeah, yeah, they were talking about that. <laughs> God. But, but Harley Quinn, daughter of Joker. They were going to retcon that whole no. thing. No. And they were going to have no. flashback sequences no. to the to Jack Nicholson as Joker, so he was going to come <laughs> in and shoot a few flashback scenes. Ooh. Oh, my God. Uh, sign me up. Give me some Coke. We're in. Yeah, you remember when DC was everything and Marvel was that shit nobody was into? I do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Those were the days. Yeah, I suppose we'll do DC at some point, maybe, if I, I doubt have a stomach for it. Yeah. <laughs> we have to get really drunk. Oh, that's what we got to do. We got to get fucking blasted out of our minds and and then talk about, that was fucking stupid. That'll be great. <laughs> the only way The only way to do DC would be to, like, down four loco. Right, like you need to be amped up on uh, energy drink to, to fucking. Yeah, I need the some Brovers. I need some purple drink for my DC. Anyway, so that about wraps it up for for Marvel Phase Two. <laughs> so overall, overall Phase Two, good, bad, ugly. I really liked it. I was bored. I mean, I I loved it. I loved two of those movies, but otherwise, yeah, I think the promise of the first two kind of blew it for the rest of it for me, maybe. Yeah, I would agree. That's uh, the phase two is I, I where think of where fatigue set in. Yeah, and for me, not at all. Um, I was along for the ride. I, I can't think of any of these movies I don't like. Uh, I think the one that people most people dislike was Thor two, and I thought it was a lot of fun. Um, Ultron is the one that ultimately let me down, and then Ant Man. So I didn't I didn't burn out until Ultron and Ant Man. But for by and large, okay. I really got a honk out of phase two. Well, money well spent. He got a honk out of phase two. And, <laughs> and there's our title. And there you have it. So you tell us, did you get a honk out of phase two of the Marvel Cinematic Universe? Hit us up on Twitter. Let us know at MagHuge. Or hit us up on Gmail, MagnificentlyHuge at gmail.com. Or on Facebook. Follow us, Facebook.com slash MagnificentlyHuge. And as always, uh, if you can leave us reviews on iTunes and help get exposure that way, that's great. Or please just share a link to the podcast if you enjoyed this one on your social feeds. We really appreciate the support, and we will see you all next week. Until then, this is Brian once again saying Excelsior!